Hello, it's Patrick Canny from the Scales Podcast. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, G Squared Yo-Yos. You can check out their newest yo-yo, the Pelican, over on their site, gsquaredyoyos.com. We're really excited to have them on board as a sponsor this season, and we can't wait to see what they do in 2018. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Have you heard of Trick Circle Machine Paul Harness, aka Yoyoist, on Instagram? Have you heard of this amazing new company, SF Yoyos? Well, good news here. SF is a new sponsor of the Scales Podcast, and we're happy to have them on board. Other great news, even better, Paul's signature yo-yo comes out this weekend from them. It's called The Bliss, and you'll be able to get it on sfyoyos.com. Follow their social media at sfyoyos to get more updates about it. Thanks, and enjoy the Scales Podcast. Hey, this is Mark McGarrett from Caribou Lodge. I'm on the run right now, but in my jacket pocket is the brand new CLYW pickaxe which is a miniature yo-yo. I'm very excited for this. I love mini yo-yos. And it is based off of the Chief, which is a team favorite for many years. Um, I've used it for a long time. So uh, I'm really excited to have a mini yo-yo to be carrying around and not just any mini yo-yo, but a good one. Um, So I suggest you pick it up, try it out, and maybe when you're on the run, you can throw it in your jacket pocket too. All right, thanks. Hey, it's Patrick Kenny from the Scales Podcast. Have you ever been shopping for a new yo-yo and just didn't know where to get it? Of course not, because you know Yo-Yo Expert is the place for all of your yo-yo related needs. We're really happy to have Yo-Yo Expert on board as a sponsor of the Scales Podcast this season. And you can use our promo code SCALES, S-C-A-L-E-S, in checkout to get free shipping on your order. Now, on to the Scales Podcast. So what, who are you? Uh, my name is Zafran Akil. I am from Malaysia and I'm a competitive yo-yo player. Oh yeah? Now, why are you here? Why am I here? In America. In America. This is America. Yeah, um, I jumped the border from Mexico Yeah. and tried to fight Trump. <laughs> so you're Hawaiian? I'm Hawaiian. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's like, um, I'm here to study, uh, I'm in America for education. I'm studying in SUNY Albany in Albany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as a sideline, I picked the East Coast because a lot of my teammates and my homies are around this area. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Yeah. Are you enjoying school here? Um, school is pretty interesting. There's a lot of delinquents, dumbasses, and assholes alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, nah, school is pretty great. Um, it's a whole different experience here, I would say, because... The university I was in back home was only like a population of 5,000 students. Yeah. But over here, I'm in a school that has like 30,000 students. Uh-huh. So it's a really big campus. It's very diverse. There's a lot of different things for me to be exposed to. And also at the same time, the weather change is pretty intense. Winter's not fun. Yeah. Is this, so is this the first time you're experiencing snow here? Um, first time experiencing snow in America, yeah. It's like not my first time seeing snow or like yeah. being in snow, but this is my first time living with snow. Uh-huh. It's pretty ass. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people get excited when they see snow. Yeah, it was like... Do you have that, did you have that reaction? I did, I did. It was like for two seconds. And yeah. Really like, I was like, wow, it's snowing. It's pretty cool. So I went outside for a cigarette and within two and a half seconds, I went back inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I hate it. Yeah. And at that point in time, I didn't even have a coat yet because, you know, I'm tropical and shit. I didn't come with a coat. I had Hawaiian shirts. Oh. Yeah. Very good. They work Because well. you're Hawaiian. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, while you were in 
Malaysia. Uh -huh. You competed there? Yes, I did. Um, I actively competed in uh, regional contests, national contests. And I would sometimes travel over to Singapore to compete in their competitions as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mostly so, 1A or mm -hmm. only 1A? Uh, mostly 1A, yeah. yeah. Did you ever dabble in anything else? I tried 4A once and I did pretty not bad. I got third place at nationals for 4A. That's Malaysian Nats? Yeah, Malaysian Nats, so that was pretty cool. But I never pursued it from then on because it took too much exercise. you have a signature trick? For 4A? Yeah. Mm, I think maybe like I could count the miss as a signature trick. I don't know if that counts. I could have a signature miss. Signature miss? Yeah. <laughs> I know about that. Right? Uh, what was it? Nah, it was pretty chill. Mostly I competed in 1A, not so much other divisions. Like, I think in Malaysia, a lot of the players are not as diverse, I'd say. I think that's the same like globally with any other place except for Japan. Most people just play 1A. That's it. Yeah. Uh, what's like the biggest difference that you saw from the Asia community, like going to AP, for instance, mm -hmm. versus going to a big like US contest? Like, um uh nationals you've been to you were at worlds mm -hmm. in cleveland were you no i no. wasn't i was in iceland and japan okay so i'm trying to think what's the biggest u.s contest you've been to piece of the east piece of the east really <laughs> yeah i'd say so so uh va is probably coming up that's probably going to be the biggest one yet okay yeah so what like what is the biggest difference that you see from the oers here and the oers there um i think it's different in a way where with the Western players, they have a lot of, like, they try to do a lot of innovation without having a solid grasp on the basics. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids can do really technical, cool, like, hard tricks, but they have not so much foundation in the base of how those tricks were created. Yeah. Whereas, like, with a lot of Asian players, they kind of go up gradually like that. Mm -hmm. So they always go through the sports ladder, like, the 30 basic tricks. Like, most people know how to do a double loop. And uh, what was it? So when they start creating their own tricks, they have a very solid foundation from just like absorbing and emulating other people. Mm -hmm. And then they evolve from there to make their own tricks. But there's also players in the Western community who does that as well, but it's not as apparent, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that it's more prominent here to try to do your own thing from the get-go. Yeah. And it only works out for maybe 20% of the people, while Pretty I much. feel like... Uh, from what I can, just from what I see, like, in Asia, it's generally, like, people will learn, people get, like, everyone gets to, like, this level, mm. which is, like, pretty high, where uh, here everyone might get to this level, but have, like, but, really yeah. unique tricks. Correct. So, what about in their mentality in terms of, like, how they interact with one another? Do, is it similar as to, no, like... No, it's slightly more different. I think, like... Because uh, with Western culture, they're a bit more um, extroverted or more out there mm -hmm. with their personality and how they approach things. Whereas, like, Asians are a bit more uh, reserved in a way. So, like, how kids interact with each other is, differs in a way where, like, with the Asian kids, they're very respectful when they meet one another. Mm -hmm. Especially with the language barriers and everything. Yeah. So, they probably, like, greet each other kindly or, like, hey, I've seen your trick from here, like or show a picture like oh I, I know this trick you, can you teach me and the dude probably doesn't even speak English but you guys can communicate through that way but like I noticed like during while going to American contests it's more of like we're gonna chill we're gonna have fun and we're gonna go all out just doing like crazy weird things yeah uh, which you also do but like not 
Actually. Yeah, I think the <laughs> it seems like I, I I have never been to a contest in Asia except for Worlds in Japan. Yeah. So I don't think I got like a really good grasp mm, of what for a big mix. Yeah. Because we kind of did what we usually would do here, just mm. in Japan. Right. Where, like, I feel like it would be really interesting to, like, go and experience it just like... Right. Like an AP contest or something like that. One of the more unique experiences, I'd say, is I went to an uh, 800 yo-yo class yo-yo meet. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, one of the yo-yo meets that happens in Japan. Like, yeah. Is yeah. that... Is it affiliated with any... It, uh, I think it's affiliated with, like, the Osaka players or something. Like okay. That. I'm not sure. But... That was, hey, wait, I think it was a 44 festival yo-yo meet, not 800 yo-yo class, but anyways, like, doing the yo-yo meets is so, it's crazy, because it's, there's usually a lot of space, they always hold it in, like, a, like, a hall or some sort, so there's enough space for everyone to do whatever they need to do, uh, uh, whereas, like, over here, you meet in a mall, or, like, a club, or, or, like, a, like, a game shop, or something like that, where you kind of have to scrunch up, and it's kind of, like, a weird place kind of thing, so... I'd say in Japan, when they're trying to interact and learn from each other, um, there's a very structured way on how they approach it. Because most of the base le- level players are already pretty good. So mm-hmm. they know specifically like who to look for to learn what and like which seniors to look for for what. But they just kind of have like this unspoken thing where they know, okay, this is like my peers and these are my seniors. And there's like a respectful line in between. I don't know how to explain it properly. No, I kind of yeah. understand. So it's like... Uh... So, like, there's certain players who are looked at, uh, they're almost put on a pedestal. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, even though they just play yo-yo. Yes. Yeah. So, you can you can see, like, during during the yo-yo meet, there's people who are really going hard at practicing for their freestyles, like, with their headphones on, going to one corner. Mm-hmm. There's also people trying to jam and make, like, an actual trick circle, you know, they all gather yeah. together and be like, hey, I have this element. Like, what can you guys do from it? And almost every other player from Japan has a very variated style. Mm-hmm. So even from one mount, you can kind of like progress to see how tricks get made in their community like that, which I feel makes the standard of yo-yoing better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that there's a lack of camaraderie by like in any sort here. It's right. all kind of like you go to a contest and like everyone's kind of in their own little groups right. and like it's it feels very uh, separated. separated. Yeah. Like, it's a click thing. Yeah. It's like, yo, I have... It's weird because even everywhere else, we all have our homies that we kind of just stick to to have lunch and whatnot. But when we're in the common space, everyone's kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So who are your favorite players? Let's, uh, since we've been hmm. separating it, like who are your favorite Asian players and then who are your favorite American players? I just think it's such a different... Yeah, it's very and, different. And any European players as well you could throw in. Yeah, uh, I talked to this about, like, I talked about this with Kai because, like, <laughs> he's very American-dominated or Western in a way, so, like, when I yeah. show, like, Asian freestyles, he's just like, I can't resonate with this because yeah. it's a very different discipline. Kai is a very, very, uh, he's, like, the epitome of a U.S. player. Yeah, he is. It's weird like that, but anyways, I think all-time favorite player would be Yuki Spencer. Uh-huh. And John Ando, I mean, it's no argue there. Yeah, also, I think, like, the epitome of, like, the American style. Exactly, that was, it was just built off that. And it's weird, because they're both, like, American-Japanese kind of thing. Uh-huh. So they kind of had the both the East meets West kind of style, because they have the culture and the discipline of being, like, part Asian, but they also have the, the extrovertedness and the creativity to, like, portray the Western side of your ring like that, which is very, very cool to me. Yeah, um... I think Takeshi does that as well. Yeah. 
where he's kind of like a mixture of like I guess like the what we're saying would be like the Asian side is more like uh, hot like they just learn the tricks yeah and then where Americans are more creative for lack of a better term mm. I think it's it's hard to like uh, exactly define how that works right you know I think it's I think it's probably when you look at the most popular or the most the person who's doing the mm. best in each region like yeah. everyone sort of follows after them and right. they kind of does their tricks so it's like I think like with that it's slightly different because let's say in Japan uh, when you first start playing right, most of every other kid knows how to do like do it mm-hmm. and when they start building a routine they go from the junior like like sport ladder junior and then they go to the professional divisions right but the discipline that they create for themselves to reach up to that level like you can I don't know in terms of like following a player even from the sport ladder division you can tell like this player might like end up in the pro division at some point because even doing really really simple tricks he can execute it very well yeah and by the time he reaches intermediate level he'll start incorporating their own tricks um, and then once they start getting to the professional level they just go crazy because from the get go they already know how to build a freestyle like coherently and very like structured and that's all thought based on the yo-yo club they're in and they always have a direct mentor to kind of teach them how to do it yeah. whereas like America is really really big and a lot of players are kind of isolated where they are. So they don't really have a mentor or like a person to kind of directly teach them in that way. Most of it is online through YouTube or something. Or even just learning through videos. But you don't get the same form of engagement by learning that way. I don't know. How, I feel like it's... Yeah. It's like there's a different form of engagement that way. So like, can you imagine being a 12-year-old kid? You kind of don't really know what you want to do with your life. Or like, let's say 15 when you kind of really want to get into competitive yo yo that's the point of time where, like, if you had someone to kind of guide you in the right way and you yeah. absorb all the good things, you would propel, like, your career way far in opposed to being a 15-year-old kid trying to figure out everything on your own when your own thought process is not even structured yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think getting involved with people, uh, like, who are better than you is the best way to learn yeah, pretty definitely. much anything. Then my next question, getting a little bit off of your... Oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even mention like, who are my Asian, favorite Asian players. <laughs> Damn. You're right. Yeah, I'd say Christopher, Christopher Chia and Daryl Mitchell. Yeah, Daryl Mitchell, why? Like, when I first started yo-yoing in 2009, I went to AP as my first contest. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even, I competed at my first contest at AP just to see, like, how bad can I get wrecked, to see how far do I need to get better, you know? Mm-hmm. And at that point of time, it was, like, the peak of all three players, like, Daryl Mitchell, Christopher Chia, and Marcus Cole. They really, like, changed the layout for how yo-yoing is in Southeast Asia they made it at that point in time yeah and each one of them has a very unique distinct style even though they're all like competitive players against each other like Christopher had really insane hops for like in 2011 like nobody's seen that kind of those kind of hops or those kind of movements and for Daryl he like focused a lot on arm combos and really big motions and movements and nobody at that point in time did those kind of things mm-hmm. I think even until today I'd still say that he's the only one that does his style yeah I, mean, I don't think that many people really know Daryl Mitchell that well because yeah, yeah. you always talk about him to me but like I, I've only watched him like the times that you've showed me him. right because there's not many videos of him or anything he just does really well during yeah. contests um yeah, so that level of innovation and uniqueness at that point of time was just, like, so amazing to see. They were, mm-hmm. like, gods at that point of time. Yeah. I mean, when you watch Christopher Chia's, like, even stuff from 
like I guess now five, yeah. six years ago. It's, it's still crazy. Valid. Yeah, it's still really good. Like, I remember the during I think it was two thousand ten when Christopher won his first AP or he got third place when he did the whole underleg thing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The tension in the air because they put like Daryl Marcus and Christopher like almost next to each other with Mickey, um, Takeshi all in between, you know, and it's like. It was really, really dense. And at that point of time, when you go for a contest and you see the finalists like that, you really feel for them. Yeah. And you kind of really support whoever you support. And you it's it's, it's intense. Yeah, there was a much... Uh, I feel like it was a, a much higher intensity back then. It was. For whatever reason. I think... It, I don't know why, though. Like, I think it's just the their personalities kind of yeah. showed where it's like Mickey's a little more intense and focused and Chia's a little more, like, extreme, I guess. Like, mm. he's more... Yeah, extreme is a better word. Yeah. Than, I, <laughs> I think extreme is like the best word for him. Aggro is the more. Yeah, aggro and it's making. fun to see like Ahmad like also come up and he's like so chill compared yeah. to all of them, like so relaxed. Those are like very key players in Asia. So yeah, like Ahmad, Bolo, Daryl, and Christopher, Marcus. Yeah, and it's also interesting because this isn't the Japanese scene yeah. which you see a lot of. Like this is like all Southeast Asia. I, I mean, yeah. minus Mickey, who's Japanese, but mm. uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty fascinating to me because you don't like. For me, like, I, I saw it from afar, but, like, you were there and experienced yeah, it, you know? To see them grow and stuff like that. I think it's cool, like, most of the time people always debate between um, America, Europe, and Japan. Like, they consider Japan the base of all your hearing, like, in Asia. Yeah. Whereas people don't realize, like, in this current generation, there's a very big come up with the Southeast Asian players. Like, Korean players are pretty insane right now. I don't, yeah. I don't know, I don't think anyone appreciates the Korean players exactly. yet, but I think that in the coming years, they I will. think you need to see, like, a world final. As yeah, yeah, true, true. Sort of... But it's crazy to think that these communities are half as young as every other community, but the players that are coming out from them is, is going to be pretty insane. Like, mm-hmm. Vietnam has a very solid community. Korea has a very solid community. Indonesia has a very solid community. And it's really cool to see how the players, that the star players in their individual country kind of dictates the style for the entire, like, region. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say with Ahmad, he was the first one from Indonesia to become an Asian champion. That set the pace for every other Indonesian player to kind of want to emulate him and develop his style even further. And more so, he's already one unique player who has that type of style. So he has the potential to make like an entire country have that type of tricks and that type of innovation, like with Singapore because of Christopher Daryl and Marcus, like their whole like the whole Singaporean um, contingent, like kind of plays like that in a way. They have that set of discipline. They have that mentality of thinking of uniqueness and how can we like make your tricks look better, feel better, and like let's say Vietnam. Vietnam is a very underrated country right now. Like I gotta give it to them. It's really hard to spell their names, but. There's really, really good players coming up. Like, every single year I've watched... I've watched the Vietnam yo-yo community grow from their inception point, where there was no yo-yo players in Vietnam. There was, like, one guy. And, like, six years in the future right now, like, 1A to 5A, they have very, very solid players. Like, Bao Doi just got sponsored by Duncan, Mm -hmm. which is a very big thing. Um, The one that won 5A, I can't remember his name. He won, uh, there was one Vietnamese dude who won third place in AP for 5A this year. That was a big deal. He was mm-hmm. just like, even though his tricks were very Takeshi Matsura inspired, but not many people would take such a difficult style and want to innovate it. Yeah. And it's crazy to see like the come up happen like that. Mm-hmm. Thailand even, like Thailand barely had a community until like, or like they barely had any star key players that wanted 
to show out like, oh, okay, this is what Thai style is like. And Polo came out of nowhere in the past four years and just kind of set the pace for everything. And he, like, stand alone, that one player from Thailand managed to become globally famous. Yeah. it's The potential is big that way now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, most U.S. players don't even pay any attention. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I, I have a theory that the reason that that is is because people have difficulty pronouncing yeah. people's names. So, like, they'll watch the video and they'll forget the name of the person who it was, so they're not going to tell anyone yeah. about it later. And then, like... If they're like, oh, I saw this one guy, he, like, did super well, I forget his name, yeah, and the yeah. other person can't watch it. Yes, correct, correct. That's why I feel like Shanghai Worlds this year is going to be a game changer in a way. Uh-huh. Because, like, in opposed to the the Eastern people having to go to the West to look for bigger contests to compete in, it took a turn where the Westerners have to go to Asia, have to go to Asia now to compete, just to, like be in that situation for them to understand that oh there's so many different types of players so many different nationalities different diversities and i think once this barricade like gets removed and people kind of interact in that way the whole global area community will be like pretty insane because china start to really flourish china's insane there's probably Uh, more yo-yo players in china than the whole world i know and like like i've been trying to keep track of some of them but there's too too many many. people china 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 (laughs) china (laughs) Uh, so I guess we can just end it on what are your goals for this upcoming year Mm. where what what would you consider like the peak that you had like in the past Mm. and then like what are you trying to like I have this theory that every yo-yo player goes through like three year benchmarks Mm -hmm. it's like I won Malaysian Nationals in 2014 2015 and that was like a set of tricks that I've built off from the day I began yo-yoing you know so that was like a solid four or five years of just straight content that I just wanted to dish out Mm -hmm. but once you reach like that certain level where you have achieved what you wanted to achieve you kind of have to step back and reevaluate where you want to go next and that's the hardest part for most yo-yo players I feel because then you realize that oh wait everything has already been done so I have to make a new set of everything which would potentially take like one to three years for some people just to like innovate a better version of your style a better version of your tricks incorporating new elements and stuff like that so for me the last time I won was in 2015 and I've been reevaluating myself kind of ever since I'd say and like I've been restructuring my tricks to learn like how do people score better how do people perform better what is most optimized um and how to compete well in that sense so this this coming years while I'm studying in America like I really do want to learn how the community works here and how the competition styles differ just to incorporate it into my own routine and kind of transfer it back once I go home cool yeah and how do you plan on like making your first steps in order to comp- like achieve your goals for I think like as a platform having skills and recess international backing me up was a really big feat because mm-hmm. prior to this it was hard to get feedback from like you know local friends or anything because you know you're just looking like you're trying to look for a doctor in a restaurant kind of thing (laughs) you know it just doesn't make sense so like by like you said just now by being around people who are better than you by default being in america hands down there's so many players who are better than me and just by going to one contest and talking to one person and learning one element that could change an entire trick completely yeah yeah and as i've been going to like smaller smaller contests i can kind of gauge how 
how people work here and how the contests work here and I'll just apply it to myself and eventually like I'll start you know making better routines great yeah uh, any final thoughts mm, on what yo-yoing in general or uh, anything any any plugs you got any uh, show dates coming up uh, or, uh... <laughs> I'm just kidding nah. uh, I guess we'll end it on uh, would you rather drink a gallon of blood or a gallon of soap blood yeah you rather drink like, soap I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'd rather drink honestly cause like I, I, I've been thinking about it I, I don't know if the blood would kill you and I don't know if the soap would kill you I'm not sure what's more lethal I asked a doctor once and uh-huh. he said that he would rather drink a gallon of blood so yeah, I kind of blood. agree with you but I feel like the ingestion of the soap would be easier than ingesting the blood like just like little by little like fair enough I know? think like blood doesn't really taste like anything I mean it tastes like iron like, yeah, yeah, it tastes like, like imagine like you're drinking it and it clots yeah. okay I think we're done here <laughs>